Apostles and looking at what it was like for the early church and uh, what it was like, what it's like to um, live in a time of revival and with the Holy Spirit moving. So I'm going to start with prayer and then I'll just jump right into uh, this evening. Jesus, I thank you so much, God, that your blood was sufficient and your sacrifice cleansed us completely, God, and that we stand before you faultless, God. That we stand before the throne faultless and that your love for us is so powerful, God, that it can withstand any accusation any opponent, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you have cleansed us, God, from the core of us to the every part of our being. And we just bless your name, God, and I ask, Lord, that tonight, God, you would meet with us, that you would teach us, that you would speak to us, and that we would be blessed in your presence, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts chapter 6 is what we're talking about tonight, and hopefully, maybe you've read it throughout the week. If not, that's okay. With you. Um, but chapter 6 is a great chapter in Acts. It's an introduction to a man who became famous for his wisdom, his faith, and ultimately his sacrifice. It's here that we meet Stephen, who is the first recorded martyr uh, in, for Christ that we have in Scripture. And last week, Kurt talked about don't put out the fire and before that, we talked about, um, you know, power to heal, um, Peter and John healing the beggar, and then there not being any needy among them. There was not one needy person in this community of believers. Every need was met. They shared their possessions, and they had everything they needed. And there was some persecution, but God delivered them, and they were doing really well. The church was growing, and disciples were being added to them daily and daily. And then we get to this chapter in Acts, and just to give you a little background for it, uh, this is the first time we see people coming in with some complaints of not having all of their needs met. So the, uh, the Hellenists, or the Grecians, were, they're basically the Greek-speaking Jews. They were born in different provinces, not born in Palestine, as opposed to the Hebrews, who were the Jews born in Palestine. They're complaining against the Hebrews because their widows are being neglected of the daily distribution of food. So this is where we come on the scene of where Stephen gets introduced. And I was thinking of why this was an issue, you know, uh, and why, or an example for me of kind of feeling like an inferior part of an outskirts of society, and <laughs> this is a very silly example, um, but Maybe Phoenicians will understand. I'm from Tucson, so that's another city. <laughs> it's not an outskirts. It's not part of Mexico. It's a city. But Phoenicians sometimes think that you know we are an inferior class. <laughs> but my mom, growing up, always complained that her taxes were going to the Phoenix roads. Well, the Tucson roads had potholes, and were never getting fixed, and none, none of the money she paid to the government was coming to Tucson. It was all going to Phoenix. Everybody loves Phoenix. And, you know, it's 
important. So the 12 apostles are coming together and they instruct them, they say, okay, the whole community of disciples, select seven people that can be appointed to this task. Like, we don't have the time or the duty to go do that, but God has called us to devote ourselves to prayer and preaching the word, and so appoint from yourself seven people that can do this. And there are some requirements of these people, right? They need to be of good standing. They need to have some good reputation in their community. They need to be full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. So they chose Stephen, who we're talking about tonight, who was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then they appointed Philip, who we meet later in chapter 8. He's the one that interacts with the Ethiopian eunuch. If you've never heard that story, it's a, a great story. We'll get to it in a couple chapters. Um, and then five other people that we never hear of again. I honestly can't pronounce their names, so we don't need to list them. Um, but these are the seven people that are appointed to take care of of the Grecian Jews, or Christians, because they were part of the community of disciples. And the apostles prayed for them, they laid hands on them, and they empowered them to go and serve. So then we come to verse 7. So it's only 15 verses, so I'm not reading the whole thing to you. I'm kind of giving you a summary, and, and hopefully you can follow along. But in verse 7 it says, you can go to the next slide, my verse 7 up there. The word of God continued to spread, the number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So, this is when we see that when men and women are empowered to serve their community of believers, the church flourishes. These men were already full of the Holy Spirit. They were already full of wisdom. They were ready to go and serve, and all they needed was empowerment. They needed the apostles to come and say, okay, you go and do it. Okay, you, you have widows that are not being taken care of. You are empowered to go and serve your widows. You are empowered to go and, and take from this community of, of distribution of food or alms or whatever it is that's in need of that part of the body that's, that's suffering, that's needy. You are empowered to go meet that need. Sometimes we just need someone to give us permission. Sometimes we need someone to appoint us to the task and empower us to make decisions on behalf of the body. And I want to tell each of you, even if this is your first time, if you've been coming to LSA since the very beginning, that you are empowered to meet the needs of this body. You are empowered. If you see a need, you are, you are empowered. You are given permission to meet those needs within this body. Because we're not just a bunch of strangers meeting in a room. We're a family. We're a body that takes care of one another. And although this was a practical and an efficient solution that the apostles came up with, it wasn't only for the sake of organizational structure to have, you know, oh, point 12 here and then 7 here and then we'll spread out this way and have a great organizational chart. It wasn't just for that. It was for the sake of the church's witness and the spread of the gospel in Jerusalem. Because the very result was verse 7, that the word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples increased in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests came obedient to the faith. That was the result of these men being empowered and sent out and them serving the body of Christ. The parts of the body that were needy, that were broken, that were hurting. That was the result. So then, let's learn some things about Stephen, because that is what we're talking about. That's just like a backdrop of where we're, where we're coming from as Stephen is introduced as one of these men who is serving the community. So, Stephen was a 
mission along with the others that were chosen to serve. Um, he did great signs and wonders, in verse 8, he says he did great signs and wonders among the people. He spoke with a wisdom that could not be withstood. Uh, some of the people didn't like that they couldn't win, and so they instigated and stirred people against him. So he's confronted, he's seized, he's taken before the council, and this is like power left at the end of chapter 6. Like, talk about a cliffhanger. It's just like, okay, he's doing all these awesome things, and then they take him and they confront him, they seize him, put him in front of the council, and make all these claims against him, and then that's where we stop. <laughs> but there's so much to gain from, from Stephen's life and who he is just in these short chapters, and one of the most important things to notice about Stephen is that he was a man of fullness. If there's one word that you would hear, through this text, if you were to read it out loud, you'd hear again and again is the word full. Full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace, full of power, full of wisdom. When men and women are living out of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the church and the gospel cannot be opposed or withstood. Do you know that you're not lacking in the Spirit? That you're not lacking in wisdom? You're not lacking in faith, you're not lacking in grace, and you're not lacking in power. You may feel as if you are lacking, but the reality is that the fullness of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on you. Colossians 2, 9-10 says that for in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have come to fullness in Him. To think about the deity but we don't understand the fear of the Lord that the Jewish people had on this idea of Yahweh, but they wouldn't even say his name. The fear of the Lord of understanding the greatness of this day has come in the fullness in bodily form, and you and I have come to fullness in Christ, that same fullness. Second Peter says, His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He's given us everything needed for life and godliness. The fullness of Christ in you, in me. You have the fullness. You are not lacking in the spirit. You are not lacking in faith. You are not lacking in any of these things. Stephen was just another person like you and me. Yet he was living from a reality of fullness. Do you not know that you have an eternal spring inside of you? You actually can't run out of the Spirit. You actually can't dry up and empty yourself fully of the Spirit. We can always have more of the Spirit, but we can't ever be less full of the Spirit. That might not make any sense, but you can have more fullness, but you can't be less full because you are made full and complete in Christ. And the, the reality, the truth of switching your mindset to understand that the fullness of the Spirit is already in you. You can live from a place of fullness today, even if you don't feel like it, even if your circumstances don't look like it, even if nothing tells you that. The reality of heaven and the reality of Christ in you is that you can live from a place of fullness. We have the streams of living water rushing inside of us in the depths of our soul. Jesus came 
with living water. Continually renewing, continually coming alive in your soul. Instead of singing, fill me up, God, we can actually sing, pour me out. <laughs> because I have access to the deep oceans of God that have no beginning and no end. Graham Cook has a great quote. He says, these rivers of living water flood out of our innermost being. So don't pray to be filled. Pray for overflowing. Don't pray to be filled up because guess what? You are full. Change your mindset to see the fullness that you have and pray for overflowing. That the living water inside of you that resides in that deep well of your soul would rush forth, would gush out, and you would live from that place of fullness. Stephen did not shrink in the face of accusations and false witness. Instead, he served diligently and he spoke fearlessly. He walked in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and his face was like the face of an angel. Though there will be needs among us, and in the global church there's needs, there are so many needs. We often don't even see or understand the depth of the need that exists within the church. In actual widows, in actual orphans, in modern issues in the church, there's needs. And there's persecutions that will come. In the global church, there's real persecutions. There's real people that are hiding their faith in order to not die and be taken to prison. These things are real, but the body of Christ, you and me, the global body of Christ, must continue to serve one another. And we do that by living and operating the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge and confess that there is a deep well within you. And beginning today, you can walk out of this room as a man or as a woman who lives in the reality of fullness. You can wake up in the morning and recognize and acknowledge that well inside of you that is full of living water. It's not stagnant. It's not running dry and it's not leaking. It's constantly churning, constantly renewing, constantly filling, and we hope constantly overflowing and gushing out on those around us. So I'm going to pray. And I just want to pray for an activation of that deep well in our soul. I want to pray for the spirit of living water in us to overflow overflow in every part of our own life, but to overflow onto the body of Christ, and then to overflow onto every person we meet. Because we are not any different from Stephen, who did great wonders, was full of grace, and full of power, and full of faith, and full of the Holy Spirit. We are no different. We have the same access. We have the same guaranteed hope. Jesus, I just thank you so much, God, that you, you have given us full access 
thank you, God, that you have unlocked a well of water in us, God, and not only a well that that remains still, but God, you unlocked a river of flowing, life-giving water that gushes forth. That we will never be thirsty again. Yes, we may grow weary, we may get tired. Yes, there will be needs and there will be persecutions that will come, but we have access to the living water of God inside of us. That when we come before our opposers, they cannot withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which we speak because of the living water that is bubbling inside of us, that is gushing forth. And when we stand before our accusers, our face will be like the face of an angel. Because we have the river of life inside of us. Thank you, God, that you have given us access. For anyone here that doesn't feel like they have that access to the fullness, God, I pray that you would just unleash it for them, God. That there would be just a revelation of your spirit in their life, God. And we do ask for more, God. More revelation of your spirit, more revelation of your presence, God. But we acknowledge, Lord, that you have given us the fullness of Christ. That we can't earn anything, God, but you have generously poured it out upon us. Gushing out of your spirit. 